Hello and welcome to the Radical Reformers podcast. I'm Andrew Laird. This podcast is for people who want to understand what it really takes to make a positive impact in public services. It features leaders from councils, the NHS, central government, charities and social enterprises, as well as think tanks and social investors. This is about policy and the implementation of policy and the grit and determination it takes to run successful public services. It's not about politics. Politics does not feature at all and the discussions are all the better for it. It's also about the stories and personal journeys of the leaders I speak to, the challenges they faced and the lessons they've learned. Running and reforming public services is incredibly difficult, and I'm very grateful to these inspiring leaders for taking the time to share with others. So before we get into it, I just want to take a second to thank my friends and colleagues at Mutual Ventures for supporting me to do this podcast. My day job at Mutual Ventures is about supporting public services to be better, more sustainable and more connected to communities. This means working with central government departments to help them build bridges between policy development and local implementation. It means working with councils to help them plan for the future. And it also means working with NHS trusts to help them find their place in the new health and care system. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and that you get as much from it as I have. And don't forget to subscribe on the website or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter to make sure that you never miss a future episode. And you might even want to go back and listen to some of the older ones. Right, so this episode is a little bit different. It's a series of short interviews that took place at the Solace Summit last week. Those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while will know that I did something similar at the new local Stronger Things conference earlier in the year and there was really good feedback from it so I was really keen to try it again and it it was very good fun walking around having little conversations with the inspiring leaders who were at the summit. I've tried to group these conversations in a way that makes sense so the first couple are with Sophie Hoskins from Cornwall Council and Alison Thomas who's the Chief Exec of Northwest Leicestershire these conversations focus on the networking and the personal development, peer support element of what a Solace conference is and what Solace is more generally. Then I've got Adele Taylor, who is the Director of Finance at Slough, and Rob Powell, who is the Director of Resources at Warwickshire. And that, again, it touches on some of those same themes, but there's a more of a financial slant to those and how do councils and the senior people who are trying to lead councils deal with being in a crisis situation and in Slough's case under intervention and how do you actually continue to operate effectively as a person and manage to keep on top of your own well-being etc. I then have a longer conversation with a really inspiring young leader from Barnet, Hal Canham. Hal is part of the Amplify program which is an important solace program which is focused on increasing diversity inclusion within councils and there's some very interesting bits there about the difference between networks and clubs psychological safety I think you're going to really enjoy that then it would be ridiculous to have a gathering of local government leaders and not talk about the cost of living crisis and I am really pleased to have had the chance to talk to Ruth Duplessis who is the Director of Public Health at St Helens Council Ruth and her colleagues ran an excellent session. It was very participative and it was about how what action it was about what actions people are taking to support the cost of living crisis and there were some real harrowing examples of some of the hardships that residents are having to deal with but then also some very inspiring elements of what councils are doing to help so delighted to speak to Ruth. And finally, I had a great conversation with Graham McDonald, who has been on the podcast before, but that was at the end of the day, and it was great to get Graham's reflections on how he thought the conference went and some of the key messages that he hopes people will take away from it. So to start with, let's hear from Sophie and Alison. Okay, so I'm here with Sophie Hoskins, who's a director at Cornwall Council. It's really good to see you, Sophie. How have you found the conference so far? 
Thanks, Andrew. It's been absolutely brilliant. But I always give a plug for Solace because they are the best conference. Yeah. Um, fantastic speakers so far. Yeah. It's yeah. Been good to, it's been good. Fun. And yesterday you were chairing a session entitled Our Leadership Journey, How Did We Get Here? That sounds really interesting because I know a big focus of Solace is about leadership and personal development. So what sort of things were talked about in your session? Yeah, it was a brilliant session. We had um, uh, Matt Prosser and Selena Mull here and very different journeys into, into leadership. And I think um, kind of a big takeaway for me was the mixture between the personal journey and people's personal lives and their yeah. work lives and their work journeys. And, um, and the fact that everyone has a different starting place yeah. and, uh, and a very different different unique journeys i mean that's obvious really isn't it but uh, it was well you, you say it's obvious but not it's not a, it hasn't always been appreciated you know everybody comes to work they are yeah. they have a life they have different things going on uh some people talk about you bring your whole self to work and there's a lot going on in people's lives especially at the minute after years of you know being in a pandemic and just that appreciation of what's going on in people's lives is so important yeah, and I think thoughtful leaders do definitely, well, it came out in the session, certainly, that both of those leaders have made decisions around their work that affected their personal life and decisions around their personal lives that affected their work. And yes. like, that came out very clearly. Yeah. And when you're thinking about work and how you deal with the pressures of work, how do you find time or what are people telling you how they find time for personal yeah. development? And that's both formal but also informal reflection networks that type of thing yeah I, th I think we probably all of us would say we don't give ourselves enough time yeah and um um for me i i do try and carve out time reflection time which is um probably not in my working hours but i, but I managed to fit them in somewhere i think um sometimes the formal route isn't necessarily always the best route um, i think mentoring coaching also action learning sets yeah. incredibly valuable spaces that you can explore and reflect in which aren't necessarily always through the, the formal accredited qualification yeah routes. yeah no I, I completely agree i find informal reflection and learning almost more valuable because it just is something that you can do without having to put a lot of organization into it you know if you've got a really strong network that you can just pick the phone up to or people who you meet regularly yeah. just to discuss things it, it's incredibly valuable and um, other things i was just talking to a colleague in the hall just there about um uh, so I, I live on a farm i spend some of my weekends moving sheep around right and Fantastic. actually reflecting on how you move sheep around and how they respond to you leading them is a is something that i've taken back into my organization when i'm considering change and transformation programs yeah. bizarre but that's the kind of well, um, you've, got to, you've got to take your inspiration from wherever it comes, yeah. wherever, wherever it comes, definitely. So, this probably um, isn't going how you intended it. No, start. it's absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. So just, you, you mentioned where you live, which is, I presume, yes. Cornwall. Yes. So what sort of exciting things are, are going on in Cornwall in your area at the minute? There's huge stuff going on in Cornwall. So economic development space is amazing. If, um, so we've got a big mining heritage in Cornwall, yeah. um, which is now coming into its own again. It's having a bit of a rebirth with lithium and various other yeah. precious metals. So that's, that's a big one to watch. No, I've been to Cornwall a, a few times and you see the old mines and they are quite a landmark. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. So there's the, the China clay area, but there's also the old tin mines. Yeah. And both of which are rich in lithium deposits. Right. Yeah. Very good. That's fantastic. So, Sophie, thank you so much for your time and enjoy the rest of the conference. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Andrew. Alison, lovely to see you. Um, I'm here with Alison Thomas, the Chief Executive of Northwest Leicestershire Council. Um, if anybody listening can hear some, some background music, we're not at a disco, we're at one of the breaks during the Solace Conference. So, Alison, how have you found it so far? Oh, I found it really fantastic, really fantastic. Um, it's my first Solace Conference. So I became chief exec of the council last August right. and joined Solace straight away afterwards. Yes. And it's been fantastic to um, provide that learning experience for me. So first experience of conference. It, it, it seems to be a fantastic organization for allowing people to network in a more informal environment and just make connections. Because we, I think we all know that having people facing similar problems and being able to have informal conversations is so important. Absolutely. It's been invaluable to me. I'm part of the Solace learning set. So I've okay. got five chief execs from across the country who are in a similar position to me. 
uh, and have only just recently taken up their chief exec roles and that's been great but coming here and learning from chief execs that have got a lot more experience than me has been really insightful. Yeah and we've just both been listening to an international session there with uh, a mayor from one of the Ukrainian cities which is really quite quite humbling listening to his experience of trying to keep essential services going. I think it puts some of our challenges in perspective. Uh, it certainly does and that's what's the real beauty of a, a conference like this. You get that wide range of experience um, whether it's Ukraine, etc., the value of public services really sort of shines through yeah. and the impact we have on our community. So it's been really great to hear their experience. Yeah. And then what, what sort of things are you working on at the minute in northwest Leicestershire? What, what are your big challenges and exciting things that you're up to? So my first job really as a new chief exec with a new council in May it was to get us to identify our priorities for the place. Yeah. Um, northwest Leicestershire is a fantastic um, community to work with. We've got an airport, uh, an inland port, um, we've got fantastic countryside and tourism opportunities, but we've got challenges around the regeneration of some yeah. ex-coal mining areas. So yeah. a real focus on those areas in particular has been uh, you know, the sort of first challenge I've been getting my teeth into. Alison, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. So that was a great start. Alison's obviously a new chief executive and I think it's great that they have learning sets within Solace that allow people who are at similar places in their careers or facing similar challenges can get together in an informal setting and just be there for each other to support. Because I think sometimes, particularly when you look at public service leaders, you expect them to be these completely infallible human beings who are, are almost you know, expected to make no mistakes or not have anything to learn. And I'm just, just really pleased and relieved that this sort of thing takes place. Sophie talked about everyone being on a unique journey, leaders being on a unique journey. And I thought that was very interesting because we often don't look at the whole person that comes to work and everyone's dealing with their own things and brings their own strengths and their own insecurities. And I think it's really important to talk about that. So that bit of the conversation I found very interesting as well. So next up, it's the finance directors. It's Adele and it's Rob. So yep. I'm here with Adele Taylor, who is the Exec Director of Finance and Commercial at Slough Council. It's really good to see you. How are you finding the conference so far? Um, fantastic. I think it's really enlightening. It's a chance to think a bit differently and be with people that I um, and see people that I wouldn't normally get the chance to be around. Yeah. We, we were both talking just before this about John Amici. He's just inspirational, isn't he? Yeah, I have to admit, I'm a little bit of a fangirl about him. I read his book in one sitting. He's just really amazing because he makes you think differently and he makes you um, challenge yourself yeah. and challenge your organisation and recognise the power that we have in organisations that are both positive and negative. Yeah, definitely. Just for people listening, if there's a bit of background noise, we are at a conference. It's part of the atmosphere, so it's it's all good. Um, So you're obviously in Slough now, which is in intervention. What's that like? Um, I would encourage anybody not to be in intervention. I'm obviously part of the team that's gone in. I've been there for six months to go in um, as one of the officers to try and sort it out. I think the most important thing is, yes, I'm there as finance director, but actually it's around the culture, the organisation, recognising what is broken, um, actually even breaking things even more to remake them. But the responsibility for us to reconnect with our residents, reconnect with what we're doing, um, is the thing that kind of powers through all of it. It's a challenge. Yeah. And I, I read a fantastic article that you wrote for the MJ, which is very open and honest about the challenges of trying to do the job that you do in, in a council, which is in intervention. So within that, you talked a lot about the importance of having networks and obviously solace is important for that that can see just looking around people are networking people are reconnecting getting advice sharing the burden a little bit it's important this type of thing absolutely and I'm a really strong believer in networks and it's something that I never early in my career I didn't really understand the importance of it and obviously my networks are very strong on the finance side so through SIPFA through society municipal treasurers people like that it's having people you can pick up the phone to or ask and say 
I don't know how to deal with this. Am I doing this wrong? How could I do it differently? And having that safe space. Yeah. As a leader in an organisation, what you do matters. Yeah. So therefore, you need the space to be able to have the time to check yourself, check check and balance in with other people. Am I doing the right thing? And when you're in that kind of pressured environment, how do you consider personal development? There's obviously formal stuff, but informal as well. And the leaders I speak to, all of the really good ones who manage to work their way through create space for that. And sometimes, I guess the human instinct is to think, oh, I haven't time for that. But it's so important, isn't it, to make space for reflection and other types of personal development. So for me, it absolutely is, because you know every situation you're going to come up come up against, it's you haven't necessarily faced it and faced it in a certain way. Um, personal development is not the tick box. It's not a it's not a course. It's actually also learning on the job yeah. and learning from people. I'm I've brought in new people into the organisation. I came into no permanent team. Um, I've got eight percent of my top tier of my jobs will all be in place um, within um, the next three weeks um, and I've brought people in from different places so universities yeah. I've got somebody coming from the Met police who has yeah. worked in that government before but they've got experiences and um, journeys that are different from mine yeah. so it's also learning from other people and it doesn't matter where they are in the hierarchy they've got a lived experience which is different from yours that you can use and utilize so it's, it's so important we keep learning the diverse perspectives are so important we can't just have group think everybody just agreeing with each other that's a really dangerous place to be the final thing i want to ask you about was in in your article you, you use that well-known phrase about how do you eat an elephant and i think it when you're looking at a at a local authority turnaround, that's a really useful perspective to have. You've got to do it just one step at a time, don't you? Yeah, and I actually, um, you can probably see, not, and nobody else will here, I actually wear elephants around my wrist. I see that, um, yes, I can confirm that actually, that's true. Um, that's, that's to remind you, is And it, it is to remind me. And and actually, it came. It, the, the reason that came to me was actually through my personal life. I'm a runner and I break, I break races down. Not by race, because yeah. I'm not that fast. But I break things down yeah. into small elements. And it was as like it's become so important at Slough because if you walk into an organisation that is that broken, it can feel overwhelming. The elephant in the room is massive. Yeah. And actually even just picking up the spoon, no elephants are harmed in this, but even picking up the spoon, the spoon to tackle yeah, it. Yeah, good luck to anyone actually trying yeah, to Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but even picking that spoon up to start um, where you are can yeah. feel overwhelming. So breaking it down, and I think it's so important for staff as well. So things like they understand where they are on the journey, they understand, they see what's happening the next week, and it can even be the next day, the next yeah. week, the next month. But also um, the important part of the elephant is that you know what the elephant looks like. So you know what an elephant looks like. You can draw it, you can see it, you can feel it. And that's exactly what you've also got to do with the size of the problem. So that vision of where you're going, the vision of what you're doing, the vision of what you're breaking down is also incredibly important, which is why I use something that everybody understands, which is the elephant. Yeah, Adele, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. I'm here with Rob Powell, the Exec Director of Resources at Warwickshire County Council. Rob, great to see you. I've had a great day so far. How's your day been? Uh, amazing, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, it's been. Uh, it's always good to take time out and think about leadership um, yeah. and the challenges that we've got. And, and I particularly enjoyed John John Amici today. On he was inspiring. A lot yeah. of people have mentioned him. I've just never seen. I've never heard anybody express what I think everyone in the room felt so clearly and with such confidence, and not afraid to say tough things either absolutely but he, he said it with uh, kindness i thought yeah it was powerful and kind but yeah. uh, really challenges a lot of um, centrally held assumptions that we have as leaders um, yeah i thought the stuff about psychological safety being yes. a prerequisite for innovation was yes. was really important so uh, that that'll be one key takeaway yeah so one of the things that really struck me about what he was saying was how to be a good ally and how because when I think about it, I do go through that thought process that he described as, will I be seen as mansplaining something or assuming that somebody with a disability is weak if I try and intervene? But it is about in intervening for, from the position of your values rather than to necessarily support a person. I thought that was a really yeah. interesting way of looking at it and helped me. Yes, I think that's right. I think you have to be curious um, and humble and, and have good conversations with people and you know he also talked about there being no such thing as unconscious bias just bias and, yeah 
um, yeah. that resonated a lot. We've, yeah. we've been talking a lot about inclusion. Yeah. Um, and um, I think there's something in that, that we, we need to be more honest that there is bias and we're all biased in different ways and we, we need to have the conversations to uh, be more inclusive. It is, it, it is a really interesting challenge because I know you told me that you listened to the podcast yeah. and one of the immediate previous guests was Deborah Cadman from Birmingham. She was talking a lot about driving inclusion and equality yes. in a big complex long-standing organization like that it's not easy it's not an easy thing to do in, a, in the public sector in a council yeah and you've got to be patient and yeah. be in it for the long haul and um, you know recognize that very small things have a long-term impact when when you add them all up yeah um, yeah and create the right environment for people to um, to lead well and thrive from from whatever background and I, I don't think you ever you, you ever finished that work but no um, well i think the, the way deborah described it was that it's a relentless task it's not a project with a start and finish it's a relentless thing so so just thinking about solace and the value of these these conferences what do you get from coming here and speaking to people in similar positions to yourself um, reassurance that we've all got similar challenges. Yeah, um, yeah. you're, I not, think, you're yeah, not necessarily alone. Not alone. Yeah. Uh, so there's a therapeutic element. I think. I think also just being stimulated and challenged and having yeah. that, that space, um, and, and actually also things I can take back to my team. Yeah. Um, you know, which I will do, and uh, you know, we're lucky to have the, the time and space to do this. So I'm, I'm really grateful to Solace for putting the event on and um, serving up such great speakers. Fantastic, Rob. Really good to talk to you. Yeah. Likewise, Andrew. Thank you. No, I don't think anybody does still think this, but if you thought of finance directors and resource directors as simple bean counters, then I think those two conversations would have really set you straight on that. Adele was incredibly aware of the importance of keeping networks going, checking yourself, um, taking care of yourself really when you're dealing with immense stress you can't do your job properly if you don't and i thought adele's analogy of the elephant you know that one being how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time for something like turning around a council that is an intervention that is exactly the right mindset because it can just feel like an insurmountable task and then i thought rob was really inspiring very interested in the concepts that were being discussed like psychological safety i thought we had a good conversation about being a good ally i want to personally keep thinking about how i can improve there and be a better ally and also rob's awareness of how important culture is when trying to run a council successfully and he understands the link between culture and performance and at the end of the day balancing the books so up next, we have the inspiring Hal Canham. So I'm here with Hal Canham, who is the head of strategy and community participation at Barnet. Hal, it's really great to talk to you. I've just been listening to your session at the Solace Conference there. I found it really enlightening, and I've got lots of questions for you about it. Before I start, you're part of something called Solace Amplify. For people who don't know, what is that? Well, thank you for having me, firstly, So um, and for sticking around to hear us. Uh, Solace Amplify is um, Solace's flagship approach to leadership development for diverse talent in local government. So it's basically taking, acknowledging the challenge that we have in local government with diversity and representation and the kind of big issues that we have there and trying to create a, a pipeline, I suppose, for future leaders. Yeah. And what's really unique about this, so we've had the first cohort, um, which what we've just presented back kind of some of our thoughts over from the last year. But alongside it, we've had a, a course that is for the line managers. So it's a three-strand thing. And part of that is that the line managers have to go on a journey themselves to become inclusive leaders alongside us. Very good. So that's, that's really what the unique selling point, I suppose, is of this program. Um, and it's been a really, it's been a challenging year. It's yeah. not a program that is the standard leadership course. And I've been on a few. So it's, it's not like that. It's very much going right inside. It's, it's at times quite traumatic. It's yeah. digging deep. And I think that is, that is the kind of testament to, to some of the investment that's gone into it, that it's created a space that we can do that and the kind of psychological security and safety for the participants to actually uh, really dig into to some of the things that help shape them and also some of the barriers that, that hold us back. And what size are the cohorts? How, how many people were involved in it? I mean, I guess how many 
it's it's for you and your line manager. So how many pairs of? of yeah, I mean, I th- you're you're putting roughly. me on the spot. I think there's about ten of us. Yeah. Um, I might might be wrong. Um, oh, but, yeah, it's 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 more like yeah. ten than a hundred. Yeah. yeah, and it's across the UK. So there's quite something unique about having. You know, I'm, I'm obviously I've only been working in London local government. There's people who are working across the UK, and that and, and lots of different types of local government yeah. kind of set up. So that brings its own kind of uniqueness. Um, in terms of the line managers, it really has been. It isn't mandatory, so it is up to them how much they get involved or not. And I think those that are more involved have taken more out of it. Mm-hmm. And but that that that's how it always is. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it isn't mandatory. You're right, and it is about engagement and about trying to get the most value out of it as you can. I can't wait to see what outcomes from it are because obviously ten people, ten pairs of people is a start, but there's there's a lot more to do than that. These are long-standing organizations and changing them is difficult it is and you know it's it's nice to see it from the sector but it doesn't necessarily mean that there is buy-in from every single organization that is actually yeah. you know just because the participant is on this that doesn't actually mean the change is happening within that organization yeah. i think just to make the point so i think we're, we're on a start of something and there will be cohort two and cohort three so yeah. um hopefully a bit of a wave yes so the, there's a few things that you talked about in your session that i wanted to pick up on that I thought were were really interesting the idea of networks versus clubs and one of the participants I'm afraid I didn't catch his name was talking about how quite often networking takes place in the pub and what happens if you don't drink or you know that that I I recognize that somebody a good bit older than you is this certainly when I was developing my career it was it was the pub or you know it was things like that and I totally get this network versus club thing so I'd love to get your thoughts on that So I think one of the things that we were trying to say is that when you think about networks, they're actually, they have to, at the heart of them, be diverse. And so I think the point we were making there is it's not just about having people who are exactly the same in the the same room. And so the the point of the Amplify is, yes, there are a lot of us. Yes, we are not white. But other than that, there's not really that much that's common between us, apart from the fact that we work in local government. So I think... um, we're saying that networks networks are built on spaces where community can grow and community grows where you hold spaces that really center well-being yeah. and actually value diversity and by that we mean diversity of thought diversity of um, where your knowledge comes from so kind of you know is it is it lived experience is it practice is it academia all of those things have to have a same the kind of same weight in value yeah um, so so that's sort of what we mean by the difference between a club and a network is yeah. a club is based on similarity yeah. and a network is based on loving and genuinely valuing the difference. And, and a club very much feels like something that's closed. Yeah. And a network is, by, by its nature, it wants to grow. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, One's tribal and the other isn't. Yes. Um, there was something else you talked about as well, psychological safety. I'm really interested in this, and this is something that John Oichi mentioned earlier. Can you just describe what that means from your perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, there's times where I've been in organizations where I felt psychologically safe. And by that, I mean, leadership is open to listening to everybody. Any dissenting voice is not considered a dissent. It's considered an alternative view and another perspective. And it adds to the kind of richness of decision making yeah and when you don't have that and when certain certain ways of working certain thoughts beliefs um, which might be aligned to people's identities are diminished yeah um, that's what creates that kind of psychological a kind of threat yes and, and in that I think there's this presumption I think sometimes when you speak to leaders they think that the, the, the that their organization is safe for everybody yeah and there, there is a presumption and I guess that's the point that we're making is have you spoken to everybody who is actually marginalized and minoritized? And have you actually yeah. asked them how they feel? Because you yeah. might be surprised by that. So creating those spaces, I think, is is also, I mean, if we just talk topically, I mean, the, the point that we're saying right now is, is there a, do people feel safe to have honest, genuine conversations about where they are and how they're feeling about every topic, whatever's in the news, whether it's the Middle East, whether it's how that's playing out in community tension, do they feel safe enough to do so? Or actually, 
is there a culture of kind of you say certain things, you don't talk about certain things. Yeah. So that's that's sort of what, what we feel. Um, yeah. One of my colleagues kind of mentions about psychological safety sort of being, if you feel safe, you're willing to criticize. Yeah. So if you're not willing to criticize and you're not hearing any negatives from your organization, it probably means that people are not feeling yeah. very safe. Yeah, I think that's a very good litmus test actually for it. So I'm going to talk about Solace just more generally briefly. So as, as an up-and-coming leader, do you find the experience of being here and the access to kind of more experienced leaders, are you getting something from that? It feels like to me that there's quite a good mix of age groups, maybe compared to historical conferences of this nature. Um, I've benefited from having some incredible leaders around me yeah. from, from I would say, from when I was in the third sector right the way through to, to local government. Um, so I, I, I've been lucky in that sense. And they've been people who have been open to hearing the, you know, the, the alternative views in their organizations. I'm not sure how to answer that question here because, you know, we're in this space. I think we're still speaking to people who I don't think have come along on the journey with us over the last year. Yeah. So in that there is still the, you know, the, the approach to EDI, the approach to inclusive leadership, you know, we'll do some unconscious bias training and, and all of that. And I don't think that people really have yet understood the kind of the thing that we're saying, which is we don't know how to navigate local government. Yeah. Like we know we're here. There's a bunch of us. We're of different stages. We all want to be in local government. We want to be successful. We have no idea how to navigate that. Yeah. I'm not sure that that has yet fed through, Yeah, yeah. but it might do. But yeah. do I take something from it? Absolutely. I hope yeah. they take something from it as well. That's a good point. And actually, I, I noticed you're still, you're using the term unconscious bias when uh, John Amici earlier was saying there's no such thing. What do you think about that? I think we can agree to disagree on it. I think that, I know that some people believe that, you know, it's a, it's a conscious thing. Yeah. I just think that, I'm not sure that that's a, a fact. I think that we can have differences in opinion of that. I think yeah. in some cases it is. In some cases, I think it genuinely is unconscious still. And I think people are on different different levels and different um, stages of yeah. the journey. So I think we just need to work with people as they are and meet them where they are and kind of try and try and come at it from a... a the, the point that I made before is we need a coalition approach. We need yes. a collective approach, not, you know, each of us thinks the same and is in the same space. We kind of need to find a way to galvanise around a thing that we all care about and maybe we're coming at it from different perspectives. Yeah. So as a final question, the sector is reliant on people like you and your colleagues to be the leaders in the next 10, 20 years. When you look at the state of the sector and the crisis that it's in at the minute... Are you not put off? Absolutely not. I mean, it's good to hear. <laughs> absolutely not. But I think this. I, I, I'm a Londoner. I grew up in London. I have lived in the boroughs that have had the most disadvantage, and 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 I've kind of walked through that. I've come, you know, I was brought up in a in a in, a, in the council estate. So for me, all of those things just kind of add to the need to do public yeah. service even more. And actually, the pressures only make you want to to be there. And to kind of be be heard, be uh, speak for the community, and that's kind of why the community participation bit is so important in that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't put me off, but I won't lie if I've said you know if I if I said that I hadn't ever thought you know God why do we do this? Um, yeah. But we are doing it, and we're here, yeah. and I think that, that that tells you something. And especially when we're still here, you know, after COVID, after Brexit, after the cost of uh, doing business crisis, and 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 everything else. The fact that we're still here trying to transform the, the sector, trying to make changes, I think is quite good for the sector. It's just trying not to lose those people who are here, willing. Yes. Hal, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. It's nice to meet you. I really love that conversation with Hal. And it's a couple of things which really jumped out at me. One is that difference between clubs and networks. And when I think back, I've definitely been part of inverted commas clubs and not not really being aware of that or them being a thing which excluded people. But when I think about it, they definitely did. So the, the idea of networks and clubs is really interesting to me. And Hal's description of networks as something that has to be diverse. And we were talking about a network wanting to grow, whereas a club is probably a closed thing. I think this is a real distinction when people are thinking about their circle 
that they're really aware of. So that was interesting. And then the whole idea of psychological safety is very important. And Hal's explanation that it's when you feel safe and are willing to criticize, that's when that's when you're psychologically safe. So that's a really good benchmark and something that we could use in our day-to-day work to test whether or not we're creating that sort of environment or not. And now finally, we'll hear from Ruth, the Director of Public Health at St. Helens, and Graham, the Managing Director of Solace. So we're right at the end of the the conference now, and I've managed to grab Ruth de Plessis, who is the Director of Public Health at St. Helens. Ruth, it's great to see you. I've great to see you too, Andrew. Really enjoyed your session there, which was on the cost of living crisis, which I'm delighted to see had a session at this conference where we have all of the all of the local government sector leaders here gathered. Um, you're a director of public health. Can you just explain to people who might not quite get that link the cost of living crisis and your interest as a director of public health? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Andrew. So, uh, in St Helens, in kind of maybe interestingly, but I've ended up being a lead for the cost of living response. And I think some of that might have been following on for the pandemic response and taking yeah. a leadership role there and all the connections that we built, because even during the pandemic response, obviously we, talk, we talked about all the test and trace and all of those things, but it started off, didn't it, with looking after yeah. food and employment and mental health. And so I think because of that, um, you know, I was, I was right in there in terms of being yeah. asked to take a lead. I think the other bit as well that I, and maybe I'm a bit different from some other pub- directors of public health is I really believe in tackling the causes of the causes. Yeah. So for me, although kind of like for focusing on weight management is, you know, obesity is a real issue, but if people can't actually access healthy foods, yeah. then so I, my priority has been actually making sure people can access healthy food. And then we'll kind of talk about the obesity side of things. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about raising living wages and all of those kind of things have been priorities for me. It was a really interesting session and I'm, very interested in the wider determinants of health and I can clearly see that you are you live and breathe it and I, I just don't think there's a good enough understanding of how being warm having a roof over your head having good food to eat contributes to your health and you talked about both physical health and mental health it has a huge impact oh it certainly does and I think if you think about just the basics of Maslow's hierarchy of yeah. need you know if you're not feeling safe in the first instance yeah. if you're not eating um, well, if you're not socialising. If you're sleeping in a car, as you yes. mentioned. Yes, you know, we heard today stories of people sleeping in cars. and So that has a massive impact on your health. Um, and, and weirdly as well, you know, the evidence that we've looked at is your health is only about 30% services. Yeah. So actually where you're educated, what, what attainment you get in school, what your yeah. social relationships are like, if you feel like a valued member of community. Yeah those things have as big an impact on your health as whether or not you've got good access to a doctor or not. So during your session there, you mentioned communication with uh, hospitals when people weren't turning up for appointments because they couldn't afford to get there. That's really striking for me. And is that yeah. is that part of a wider good communication between the council and, and the NHS? Or is it just whenever they, when it's causing them a problem? Well, so in St. Helens, again, I'm really fortunate because we've integrated health and social care. So we have like a people's department, which is the NHS, public health, uh, adult and children's um, social care. And so we're really well connected. And that's helped with access to data and all those kind of some of those things. Um, And I think as well, what's happened with some of our synergies is people working together has changed their working practices. Yeah. If that makes sense. It so, does. so one example, um, we, we've done a project with people with chronic obstructive airways disease. For me, that was a target group because uh, sadly, if you're living in a warm home, you're more likely to get respiratory infections, more likely to end up in hospital. Um, so when we spoke to NHS colleagues about it, yeah. the respiratory team were saying, well, what, what can we do? So we've got managed to get the, we've got an affordable warmth team in the council around housing yeah. and the benefits team. Um, and we managed to get that agreement to work together yeah. so that we would the, the nurses would identify those in need and then somebody would go and do a home visit from the council. Yeah, very and, interesting. And what's been amazing is that everybody's been in tears because we've had 
life transform transforming stories. I don't know if you've got time. I can share one with you Please, that really yes. resonated with me just as an example. So one of the respiratory nurses was telling us about a COPD patient who was sleeping downstairs because his bedroom has got damp in it. Oh. And because of the cold weather, the damp was getting worse. Yeah. And so he was just sleeping, basically living in his living room, more or less, because he thought if he could heat one room. Yeah. So what, what happened was we, um, because of the links, we managed to get his upstairs, get the, the damp treated, get the room replastered, get a bit of a grant for him to make the room nice. The Rebs and Benz team gave him money from the house. You know, we yeah. got that agreement. So he got money so he could heat his home. Um, and when the nurses went back, um, he was telling about how now his grandchildren prefer, like to visit more. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. And and his whole and he says and so and what really impacted the nurses is they said they've been trying to prevent his hospital admissions because he goes into hospital nearly every year, and for the first time in five years he didn't have an admission. Wow. And they felt like I mean that's a real that's result, a massive isn't it? Result, that's isn't a result. It? Massive yeah. result. And this guy is talking about being the happiest he's felt. And so everybody, you know, when you shared that, everybody felt like we, everybody had a bit of a, a role to play yeah. in, in that man's That's journey. proper integration and a great human story to, to highlight it. So I've got one more question for you because the conference center is being dismantled around <laughs> us as we sat here. So <laughs> yes. I really appreciate it. Um, you mentioned at one point a real ambition being giving children the best start in life. And I've read quite a few of the ICB plans because that's the sort of geek I am. And a lot of them have <laughs> a that, a lot of them have that as an ambition. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's an NHS driven and owned plan quite a lot of the time, but that's going to require huge integration yes. of the type you're talking about with council services in particular and the third sector as well to give children that best start. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes we have it in a policy, but we don't put the resources yeah. in. Um, and we've been talking the message. Thankfully, my hero is probably Professor Marmot. I don't yeah, know if from yeah, yeah. Oh, the course, report. Yes, I yes. And he talks Michael about yep. yeah, um, giving children an best start. You know, he used to say that's the priority of priorities. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we're thinking about short term in some ways because the need is now. Yeah. But if we don't invest in our children... Yeah. Then we're not, you know, that's going to affect us. And we're seeing repeating cycles yeah. over and over again. So we absolutely have to invest in our children. And we've, we've been focusing on, on school readiness. And that is a real, and thankfully in kind of public health, we've got the 0 to 19. So you've got the kind of NHS link there, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But also then you've got the access to schools and nurseries in the council. Um, and then you've got the ICB and kind of saying to them, actually, children really need to be our priority. Um, so I'm kind of hopeful that it's on their radar. And one of the things that we've found that has helped us in St. Helens is, is we've been getting some local and national speakers and just hearing the stories and hearing this is what the evidence says has been really helpful in people getting the message and agreeing. Yeah. So we've still got a way to go. We definitely haven't cracked it yet, but... Um, no, it sounds like you're in some really special things there. So, Ruth, thank you so much for your time. It's been a privilege. Thank you, Andrew. So it's the end of the day, and I'm here with Graham McDonald, the Managing Director of Solace. Graham, it's been a fantastic conference. You must be really pleased. Yes, it's gone really well. Um, it's always good to have it run smoothly. Yeah. But we've had some great speakers, a really diverse set of views and perspectives, and it's been yeah, it's been great to also enjoy ourselves too. I think you do deserve real uh, congratulations for the range of speakers. John Amici was great. You had a mayor from Ukraine yeah. here just giving that perspective. I think from the people I've spoken to, that put our challenges into perspective somewhat. Um, to have a mayor from Ukraine coming and talking about how the only place they can have conferences in Ukraine is, is underground. Yeah. So it's been a fantastic conference. And also what I've noticed as well is that there's a real mix between experienced leaders and young up-and-coming leaders mm -hmm. that's absolutely deliberate um as is as is the breadth so it's about breadth it's also about depth so i think they both reflect sort of the values of solace as an organization and the direction that we want to move in and also are encouraging the sector to move in so whether you're talking about and bringing an international perspective like the ukraine one or uh, whether you're talking about 
positions in careers or ethnicity and diversity. Yeah. All of those things are really important to us and we wanted to get a flavour of that throughout the three days of the event. And I think a lot of the people here are getting real value from informal networks and the ability to talk to their peers and realise that they're not going through whatever they're going through alone, that there are a range, that there's a whole, that there are a lot of people going through the same thing and they're finding the informal networking that Solace Springs really useful. That's right. And squeezing that into the event is really important to us. We have to have a balance. We want to have some fantastic speakers, of course, but creating time for people to engage with those speakers in question and answers and doing formats like the one we did with John Amici, which was a fireside chat with um, questions being asked of him, but also sessions like the one we did on the Tuesday afternoon where we had our policy leads facilitating discussions about different policy issues with our trailblazer day. Um, That's just two examples, really, of in in trying to ensure that people were having conversations with their peers um, and people around the around the sector rather than just sitting and listening um, so that's incredibly important but also uh, during the breaks during lunch this, just things like setting the room up and the conference space up in a way that enables people to do that I, I think it, it is it is really good and there are some lessons that I'm certainly taking away from this and how to organize a good conference a lot of conferences try to squeeze in as much content as possible but what you've done here is you've created like a fairly long lunch, but also two substantial coffee breaks during the day to allow for that networking. Yeah. So it's not, it's, you know, as you say, the presentations have been really quality and the discussion's been really quality, but creating that networking space, I think everyone's really happy about that. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly important. It's really tempting to put more speakers in to get the content, particularly in a sector like local government where you've got so many issues that you could cover. You have to be really disciplined in order to focus on things that you think people are are really going to engage with and want to talk about uh, and then bring that out into the informal spaces so they continue those conversations. Sometimes you can pack the agenda full of things that, um, you know, they might be the themes of the day, but they're not necessarily the debate of the day. I think we want to encourage the debate of the day, not just hearing um, the news yeah, uh, and, and what might be the big thing happening at the time. And just on that, thinking back over the, the three days of the conference, what are your big, big takeaways from it? I think there's a balance, isn't there? I think we know that local government is going through a tough time. Uh, the country, I mean, we heard from Mayor from Ukraine uh, earlier this morning, it's incomparable to that. But nevertheless, it feels difficult, it feels tough. I think the key thing for me is that there is resilience in the sector. Um, and by working together, the sector becomes more resilient. And that is incredibly important. And the support uh, across organisations within and across organisations is incredibly important to that success. There are some really key messages that we need the country to understand in terms of where local government is. And it's important that we get those out. Um, but, but also it's important that we look within the sector and around our close partners for solutions as well. Um, If we develop our staff, um, if we become more diverse and wider, are able to think uh, more broadly about solutions and about what we can do for our communities, there are many answers there to some of the problems that we currently face. And they're not merely problems that we have to look to central government to solve for us. Exactly, exactly. And to be honest, I'm looking around the conference hall and the the exhibition space and i'm not seeing people with their head in their hands thinking this is hopeless there's such resilience in this sector and when central government which it quite often is is not in a state of forward momentum or focus on public services looking around this room these are the people you want to be empowered to improve and reform public services and to make sure that the public gets the services that, that they need so i'm really encouraged by this by this conference i'm sure you are too absolutely i think it's really important to make the distinction between the sector being resilient and there being some some fundamental problems that still need to be addressed and those both those two things can be the same yeah. can be um can be the case at the same time so while uh 
many councils are really battling with financial challenges and many other challenges that do need help more broadly. Um, that doesn't seem that mean that they also can't be resilient and still be delivering important and critical services to the people in their communities at the same time. Um, and recognising those two things can go hand in hand is important. Absolutely. Graham, many thanks for your time. Thank you, Andrew. It was interesting to hear Ruth talk about the cost of living response as Ruth is a director of public health and perhaps not everybody would make that direct connection. But the things which impact the cost of living, which end up somebody not being able to keep warm or being able to feed themselves and their family well, that leads directly to health issues. So the wider determinants of health mostly sit outside of the NHS, actually, and a lot of them sit with councils. So I thought that was a really important session to have at the Solace Conference and great that Solace wanted to to highlight this issue and the important role that councils play. It was also interesting how Ruth highlighted the fact that quite often policy ambitions are not followed up by resources and finance. And the example we were talking about there was children's because like we discussed, ICB integrated care boards, their new plans have bold ambitions for children, but we need to see the resources go behind that if those are going to be achieved. And finally, it's always good to have a conversation with Graham MacDonald, the Managing Director of Solace. He's got a really good grip on where the sector is. And he was clearly delighted by the mix of attendees, experienced chief execs and senior officers, as well as up-and-coming stars of the future. And a big reflection of mine is the fantastic way in which the conference was structured. I said this to Graham, leaving plenty of time for networking and conversations. And I think that's a brave and really effective thing to do because it's not all about listening and being talked at, you know, just creating that time for talking. And I think we can all apply this more generally in our day-to-day work. If we're having a half-day workshop or something, put a big long coffee break in there so that people have a chance to network and talk to each other. Don't feel the need to pack everything so tight with content that people are just exhausted and haven't hardly had a chance to say hello to each other. And then the final point, which I think is critical, is... As Graham was saying, do not mistake the fact that the sector's leaders are resilient and have their heads up and are looking positively at the challenges they face with the sector being okay. Do not mistake the two things. The sector is underfunded. There are services that are literally on their knees, but the leaders are resilient and they are doing what they can to make services work and to meet the needs of vulnerable people. So really important not to mistake one with the other. So so that's everything from this special episode from the Solace Summit. And thank you very much for your time. And thank you to all of my amazing guests this episode. And don't forget to follow the pub. Don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to leave a nice review, that would be really helpful also.